Thank you for tuning in to the Career Exploration Podcast, brought to you by Northeast Ohio Medical University's College of Pharmacy. You're listening to the Career Exploration Podcast for future and current pharmacists. We're glad you're here, and we're looking forward to introducing you to some of the many career paths available for pharmacists. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of our Career Exploration Podcast. In this episode, Chris and I interview Dr. Ashley Jones. Dr. Jones is a 2018 alumnus of Neomed and is currently an emergency medicine pharmacist at University Hospitals. She talks to us about how she got interested in emergency medicine, what a normal day looks like, some of the most challenging and rewarding parts of her job, and so much more. I always love hearing her story about how she basically created her own position. I always get inspired when I hear her story, and I hope you do too. We're so excited today to have Dr. Ashley Jones, uh, who is the Emergency Medical Clinical Pharmacy Specialist at University Hospital's Geauga Medical Center in Chardon, Ohio. Dr. Jones is a Neomed College of Pharmacy Class of 2018 alumnus. After graduation, she completed her residency training at University Hospital's Geauga Medical Center, where she created her own emergency medicine service. Ashley serves as the site emergency medicine pharmacist and is embedded within an interdisciplinary team responsible for providing evidence-based pharmacotherapy regimens, quality improvement, and direct patient care. At her site, Ashley serves as the pharmacy lead for sepsis, stroke, and pediatric emergencies, as well as process improvement committees. Ashley is the UH system lead for improving electronic prescribing compliance for all emergency departments. She provides education to medical and pharmacy residents and pharmacy students as well. Ashley is an appointed member of the Geauga County Board of Health and is interested in improving public health through education and outreach. Ashley has played a key role in the education and implementation of COVID-19 pharmacotherapy protocol in her emergency department. She has been recognized for her achievements with stroke, sepsis, and COVID-19 contributions at her site. Dr. Jones, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you guys for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. And so let me start by saying I'm always inspired. This isn't the first time that that I've had you come in for, you know, one of our events or, you know, you are one of the first to volunteer for, you know, almost every pipeline program that we have. And and I really appreciate it. it I and love doing it. So <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's awesome to have me. you there. And I'm always inspired every time you come in and and tell them your story and how you got to where you are it's very much inspiring and and I hope that you know uh, future generations of pharmacists get as inspired as, as I have been every time I hear your story so I'm super excited for you to kind of share your story with everyone and can't wait for everyone to hear it I'm excited to hear it thank you I, I hope it lives up to the hype I'll say that so. <laughs> he's really sure he's really talked very excited me I am I am very much all right so so tell us since graduation right since 2018 uh, tell us about your journey journey of how you got to kind of where you are today. So I think we could talk about this from two ways, how I ended up at Jaga and how I ended up in the emergency department. So I am a first generation college student born and raised in Jaga County, uh, literally born at the hospital I practice at. So for me, in the back of my mind, it was always how can I stay where I was born and what I call to be home. And one of those things uh, throughout pharmacy school that was something that I also kept in the back of my mind was residency programs and how can I really stay in the area, kind of keeping along with the whole theme of Neomed and giving back to the surrounding area and uh, the people within the community. So as a pharmacy student, really, um, I truthfully in the beginning had no intention of doing residency. I had worked at CVS uh, as a technician in my undergrad in South Carolina and stayed with them when I came here. 
worked at Rainbow as an intern for a little bit and decided pediatrics was not necessarily for me because I really wanted to talk to my patients. And a lot of them, unfortunately, were not at the verbal development stage yet. And so for me, it was a lot of kind of experimenting and figuring out what I liked because there were so many things that I enjoyed within pharmacy. I had a hard time focusing in on something. Uh, during my appies, though, I had the opportunity to do an emergency medicine rotation at UH Richmond. So smaller emergency department. They did not have an ED pharmacist there. Uh, so, so, sorry. So your appy rotations as in like your last year I'm of pharmacy sorry, yes. school. Yes. Yeah. Just, so, yeah. Just want to make sure that correct. everyone kind of knows. Yes. So advanced pharmacy practice experiences. So these are kind of like the clinical rotations mm -hmm. you complete all year long during your fourth year of pharmacy school. <laughs> and on that rotation, so it was an elective rotation for emergency medicine at a small site within university hospitals um, with heavily psych related issues. And so there was no ED pharmacist in that emergency department. So I was tasked with kind of just getting my feet wet and observing the providers down there, including the physicians, the residents, and working with the nurses, just trying to figure out what the role of a pharmacist could be from a student perspective, which was wow. yeah. very unique experience. Um, so a lot of that, making sure I stayed within the scope of a student was to help complete the med racks, help do a lot of the medication counseling for patients who were going home from the emergency department and working with nurses to answer a lot of the medication questions, working with the physicians to help just coordinate things and touching base with my preceptor throughout. Within that rotation, I really identified that the emergency department is kind of the culmination of all of the things that I liked within pharmacy. So there was the fast paced environment. There were so many questions, thinking on the fly, the critical nature, the patient interactions, um, and a lot of good outcomes, unfortunately, a lot of bad outcomes. But it really, for me, was the place where I found myself making the most impact and kind of at the end of the day saying, you know, I feel like I did everything that I could do for those patients, even if it was not a great outcome, such as a patient unfortunately passed away or things of that nature. Um, but for me, it felt like the place where I could make the most impact, meaningful impact as a pharmacist and an exciting place to really show different practitioners, providers and patients what pharmacists are capable of as being kind of somebody who's in that, again, point of contact, such as in a community pharmacy where you're around patients all the time. That's kind of how it is in the emergency department. You see so many new faces every day and sometimes you see some familiar faces yeah. every day in terms of patients. So so real quick, just just so I could kind of be clear so our, our listeners know. So you had no idea that you were going to be an emergency medicine pharmacist until your fourth year of pharmacy Correct. school. Yes, I had a very hard time making up my mind. For me, I I had the opportunity if I wanted to stay with CVS. At the time, it, it was a small store, small volumes. It seemed like the easy route to take for me, at least, uh, to just stay and feel comfortable. And I knew the patients that I worked with. It was something I was really actually looking forward to. And so you're right. I had no idea that that's what I wanted to do at that time, even residency was not really something on my radar until August of my fourth year of pharmacy school. And, and I think a lot of our students are kind of in the same boat, right? They come in. Oh, definitely. Maybe, yeah. Right. So they come in with experience at, at, a, at a retail community pharmacy or maybe at a hospital and they're like, oh, I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. uh, and then all of a sudden they get to Neomed and they're exposed to all these different areas and they go out on their fourth year rotations like, oh, wow. 
look at all these options. I think it shows you the benefit of really, I, I think AJ said it in our last episode, you know, going through the doors that are opening the doors, taking a look at your opportunities, exploring. Right. Don't don't close any doors. Don't leave any stone untouched. You definitely right. want to see what all of your opportunities are. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So we're at uh, your app, your rotations. We're, we're there. We're at Richmond and we realized we like emergency medicine. Then what happens? We like emergency medicine okay. in August. I in October, in November of that year, I had the opportunity to do my internal medicine, my two month rotation at UH Jaga, uh, which I was very concerned I wouldn't get because my sister was the resident there mm -hmm. at the time. So I had to kind of beg and plead to make sure it was OK for me to go there, which it was. So uh, I was excited that those cars fell into place. And I had the opportunity to learn at that site and to kind of pick the brains of my preceptors, see what services were available there. And I remember at one time I said, you know, you don't have an emergency medicine pharmacist. Are there ever any thoughts or interest in developing that service? And they said, you know, that's something we'd eventually like to do here mm -hmm. and just kind of chatting about it. But, you know, uh, in today's day and age, we know how hard it is to get services developed and Long time. funding is definitely the limiting factor with a lot of those things. So for me, it was like, okay, cool. This is something that maybe we could talk about. Uh, so I applied for residency there, though, knowing after the two months I had spent there, just the meaningful interactions I had with patients, the quality preceptorship, the interdisciplinary teams, and just the value that was recognized with pharmacists by the team. Um, and that for me was like something that I'd never really gotten to experience before, but it was not pharmacy coming in and being a luxury, but it was pharmacists, uh, they need to have a seat at the table and they are an expected service line and things can't really get done without their presence. And for me, that was like, wow, I want to be a part of this. That, that's almost the perfect residency site that you're, and I want to back it up. And for the prospective students, so residency would be after you graduate from pharmacy school, you're a licensed pharmacist, but it's an additional year, or it could be two years of training, depending on what you decide to do. Yeah. So, yeah. And they say uh, one year of residency is equivalent to what, three to five years? Three to of five of is what, what most people, because yeah. you just learn so much in that condensed time period that there's just so much you'll see and do. Everything that, um, that she's describing right now. So that's, but it sounds like a great, great residency site. Yes, it is. So I, I won't pitch that yet, but at some <laughs> point I'm sure I will for UH Jaga. But um, so in October, November, that's really when I had the determination that I really was going to do a residency. And so I was very brave now that I think about it in the sense, and that's a little bit of sarcasm, uh, <laughs> that I, I only applied to two sites for residency. Wow. I said, I really want to be at this site in my second pick. I loved it there too. And I was like, if I don't get it, then I'm going to figure something else out and I'm going to find a different path to really where I want to go to be in the emergency department. Um, it's funny because about three years ago when I graduated, even at that time, you could still find positions without uh, the competitiveness of what we have now in terms of the amount of people applying for specialty positions and the small availability. It's a very competitive market right now. So um, we need more residency programs to open up. We need up. more residency we programs. Yes. We definitely yes. do. Um, but anyways, so that spring, I was lucky enough to get notified that I was chosen to be a resident at UH Jaga. During my residency, it was always in my mind that I loved EM. Uh, there were a few defeating sorry, EM, just emergency medicine. There you go. Excuse Thank me. You. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, there will be a lot of times where you'll have yeah. to catch me. Um, so 
during that year, there were a few defeating moments where we felt like being an ED pharmacist at my site was not viable given the barriers with funding and just the current needs of the site at that time. I had the opportunity to have a physician-led, so my preceptor was a physician, so my teacher essentially was a physician mm-hmm. for the month of January. I followed her schedule, um, really trying to get an emergency department pharmacist position approved, uh, truly through completing medication histories and showing the improvements that a pharmacist can do with that, which um, is really the easiest way to get one of those positions approved. Uh, she was really amazing and actually wrote a letter to the chief medical officer and our president saying we need a needy pharmacist. Wow. So that was essentially how we were able to get that position approved and some great work by my manager and working with some of the available positions we have to get it flipped to an ED pharmacist spot. And so I was very fortunate that, again, the cards fell into place with that because it's not very often that the timing lines up with when your residency ends that you can just walk into a position that you're going to create. Um, So that being said, I completed advanced months in emergency medicine and an additional research in that just to kind of have an area of focus because your first year of residency is really to be broad. It's to expose you while getting the practical experience as a pharmacist, but having preceptors or teachers to guide you along the way to help kind of fine tune the pharmacotherapy knowledge that you get and the patient interaction skills. So at the completion of that year, I did not do a PGY2 residency because we had the opportunity to build this position at my site. I will say that with emergency medicine pharmacy positions now, I will always recommend that you do a second year residency. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's Um, the PGY2, the second year. Yes, the PGY2. So after your PGY1, you can either go into practice or you can continue on for another year of residency. More education is never a bad thing. (laughs) And if you do a PGY2, you definitely have more options to go to a level one trauma center, which means a center where you have huge volumes of patients coming in with very, very critical problems from other sites, other emergency departments. They all kind of get funneled to you. And if you want to go to different sites, if you want to get there quicker, doing a PGY2 is the best way to do that. I will tell you one of the biggest challenges that I had to take accountability and responsibility for was making sure I owned all of the information and kind of did my own pseudo PGY2 that was essentially self-led because Mm -hmm. I was starting a service. I had no guidance. There was no ED pharmacist there and really just trying to whip myself into shape to be the one responsible for emergency department pharmacotherapy. Um, So that was a very overwhelming time was really establishing the service, but taking ownership of the knowledge and really learning it quickly um, and just being able to be okay with saying, you know, I don't know this. Mm-hmm. Let me take a couple minutes and get back to you with some of the stuff that could wait, right? So you really didn't have a mentor there in that role to teach you. Not in the ED other than my physicians. So one of the things that I will say is I am lucky enough to have physicians who have an ED pharmacist at our main campus and they understand and respect and know the utilization of that role mm-hmm. and had the buy-in immediately. I was lucky enough to have physicians who wanted and express that they needed an ED pharmacist. So that was one thing I'm very lucky to say is that I know sometimes it's hard to break into teams where there's not a pharmacist. I'm lucky enough that that was not the case. Um, and many of those docs are still there. And so. So just real quick, mm-hmm. I just want to back up to one. You know, yeah. I, I've heard you mention uh, a couple of times, you know, the cards fell into place and things mm-hmm. worked out. But I think you're not giving yourself enough credit. I think you helped make the cards fall into place for. You worked really hard. Right. You worked really I will hard. say it was very personal. 
assistant and um, I did have another job opportunity in January of residency that I was told that I need to make a decision in 48 hours Wow! and nothing had fallen into place for lack of a better word with (laughs) the ED spot yet and so I kind of just took a risk and said I'm not going to take it and I I need to make this work and I told my manager I said this is all I've got now and we have to make this work and so I definitely pestered her and was very persistent but I think that one of the things that I did was I obligated myself to so many things in the ED as a resident that it was hard to get rid of me. So <laughs> yes. if I left, somebody else was going to have to do those things. Right. So I I kind of did that on purpose. Once they saw right. the benefit, yeah. you can't take that away. No, it was great. So initially what we did, though, with um, the ED pharmacy services, I was able to get technicians up there to do the medication history so I could then focus on the pharmacotherapy, the oversight of them to help with the challenging med histories and really taking ownership of the uh, critical patients and the education and all of the other things that a pharmacist includes in addition to just focusing on the drugs, right? Right. So um, kind of furthering on my journey and then we'll wrap that up. I'm sorry. (laughs) This is good. It's exciting stuff. It's leading up to the hype that he Yeah, I hope so. Um, so essentially, I was really excited to be able to stay at that hospital that I kind of um, it felt like home to me. It still does. I mean, being able to work with people that are mom and dad's friends or your grandparents friends or um, people you went to high school with or taking care of your teacher and just having that additional connection to the site and to the people uh, really adds so much value to me. So being able to stay there regardless of being an ED pharmacist or not was importance number one for me. Um, it, and just that on top of it was really the icing on the cake to be able to say, wow, I, I, it's not about the title, but it's about taking care of these patients in an environment that fits me the best. So if anybody knows me, they know I'm kind of a tornado, which is essentially matches the environment. <laughs> yeah, the ER of the is kind ER. of a tornado is what so I'm just thinking. It's funny when you look at a lot of pharmacists out there and they tell you what they do and you know their personalities, it fits. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say one of our shared faculty, she's the most organized meticulous person I know, just very explanatory patient, walks through things. And then you have me who talks a million miles a minute and you can see how each pharmacist fits into their environment. So uh, for me, it was it was the fit that really I was excited that worked out. So since then, um, the role has evolved and changed so much. And I'm so not, not thankful because I loved what it was in the beginning, but it's now um if I were to leave, I know that it would be an established service. I was always so afraid that the service would be pulled in the beginning. And it's an established service um, that, again, the pharmacist myself is expected to be a seat at the table for patient quality issues, for process improvement, for pharmacotherapy needs, for any critical situation in the ED. It's what do we do? Um, and again, it's it's changing every day. I'm learning every day. That's for me, I have to be OK with there's something new to be learned every day. Um, And some days I get tired and say, you know, it would be very easy to just say, I I don't want to continue to do this, especially with everything going on and um, with COVID and whatnot. So I I am very fortunate that my investments in myself and that site have paid off. I know it doesn't always work out that way, um, but I'm very thankful. So it's, it's been a a little bit of a journey, but it's been a good one. That's that's a great story. Yeah, it is. And again, I'm, I'm extremely proud of all the things that you've accomplished in, in the three short years, almost four short years since you've graduated, you know, you're, you, that's you, true. Yeah. Right? It hasn't you, been that long. It hasn't been that long. And you've pioneered this and you became the first emergency medicine pharmacist at UH Geauga. And so you, you know, 
you kind of are, are leading this. And so that I think is phenomenal. And yeah. hopefully some of our students and prospective students get inspired by that. Yeah, it's very inspiring. You've mentioned a lot of different things that a ER pharmacist can do. We heard the medication histories and the traumas and the all the emergencies that come through the door. Is there a typical day? I'm, I'm thinking since you used the word tornado, there's not a typical day. But is there a typical day in the ER? What would that look like? Or a week, maybe? What would that Yeah, look? so I will tell you, there's a few things that are the same every day, but there's a whole lot of different. Um, as you know, you can never anticipate what patients are going to walk through the door. And so that is, that's the part of the day that's the unexpected. Um, but I, there are a few activities that are expected. I know that every day I come in, I'm going to check in with my physician and my nurses and look at my board of patients and see what's going on and determine who needs what first. So I start my day the same. I typically have meetings every day. Um, many months I have a resident or a student in some way, shape or form, um, maybe not every day, but if the internal med students want to see the ED, they'll come up. But our residents have the choice to do emergency medicine, ICU or critical care elective rotations, and then they can do another one if they're interested. So I have Jaga and Richmond residents right now. So so like we said in the intro, so you're teaching not only pharmacy students and pharmacy residents, but also medical students and medical residents. So medical residents, okay. um, once probably every two months I will do, they have their sessions on Wednesday where they don't go to their rotations, but they have kind of classroom activities that they call didactics. So they'll have me do some of the pharmacotherapy lectures for an hour of the time. Um, and that just came about because we in the emergency department have a plethora or a lot of medical residents come through who are not just emergency medicine residents, but family medicine residents as well. So this is the family medicine residents like to say, hey, you know, we're new in the ED. Can you give us some pharmacotherapy lectures? So we'll do acute pain, sepsis, or that's a very advanced infection. Um, and just to kind of get them up to speed, but also just to give them a little break from all of their chaos of diagnostics right. and right. stuff. Just to say, here's something that you can listen to for an hour that you can just look back at when you and need who, to. And who better than the medication experts right. to, to teach them I about know, the medications, and that, right? And I feel so proud that it's they important. asked to say, hey, yeah. you know, I, I know what you guys are capable of. Can you come teach us about this? Because it's right. better than yeah. what we get the access to. Saves them a lot of time than having to learn it on their right. own, right? And it also <laughs> saves us a lot of time because right. when they establish the relationships and the practice with us in the beginning and they, they know how to treat things and they get fantastic phenomenal training. But as with pharmacists too, you have all the puzzle pieces, but you need to know how to put them together. So when we all start to practice together and we say, hey, these are the treatment algorithms. This is evidence-based medicine. This is what we do first, second, third. You all start to practice the same way. And what is better than to have a team who's on the same page with you? So if we can do that up front, to me, that's my personal selfish reasons for wanting right. to do this. Aside from <laughs> makes really- Makes your job easier. There's a lot right? of benefits yes. to it. Yes, there's a lot of definitely benefits. one. Yes, um, that's definitely one. Yeah, but a typical day, so, again, Again, like I said, there's many unknowns. Um, we are the only trauma center in Ashtabula Lake in Jaga County. We have cath lab capabilities there, which um, there's not really for many miles. We so are for cardiac patients. Yes, procedure for somebody can... who's having a heart attack and they need to come in, they will come to us. Um, we're a stroke honor roll society, which or honor roll society, my gosh, mm -hmm. honor roll center, uh, which means that we really hit the mark when it comes to treating our stroke patients quickly and safely and get 
getting them the services they need. So we um, have some notoriety when it comes to what we offer. So we get a lot of patients. We have a very unique demographic. So when we say we expect the unexpected, we know that we have a large Amish population with unique needs in our area. We have a lot of nursing homes in the area. Um, and then just, again, everything that I mentioned, the unexpected comes mm-hmm. to. So we get a, a emergencies. Large, yes, <laughs> the, the real emergencies. I will say right now we can anticipate that we have a lot of COVID patients, um, but we have a lot of patients who should have been coming in all along, unfortunately, couldn't get access to care that are now coming in when they're really poorly off. So we do have a lot of increased amounts of patients coming in. Um, so we are spread in different ways that we initially didn't think we would be, especially in the role of a pharmacist. Some days it is, you know what, I have to put on some different hats and help where it's needed. So um, a typical day really isn't typical right now. Um, I have medication reconciliation technicians that are doing the med histories, but one is out for six months. So I'll find myself helping with that and supporting them. Um, But the typical activities are just in summary to work with my physicians, say, hey, this is what I think we should do for these patients, meet the patients at the door who have immediate needs, and then prioritize them, help my nurses with any medication needs to free them up so they can do what their bread and butter is, which is really taking care of that patient and managing them. So I will get all of the medications ready, hang them on our automated pump technology to help the medications go in at a standardized and safe rate and help them monitor patients, make sure I'm coordinating with pharmacy to get the medications in a timely fashion, educating patients. And those are kind of the daily activities that I can say, I know I'm going to be doing this every day. Um, But again, what exactly and who exactly I'm going to be doing it with is the uncertainty. I had a follow up. Yeah, go ahead. I just was to say, I know that ERs are busy at different times of the day. Some people think it's more the weekend. Some people think it's more in the evening at night. Mm -hmm. What kind of hours do you work? I think our students might be interested to know like like your work schedule. So I will say my schedule is a little bit of an anomaly. and very unique in the sense that I am the only emergency department pharmacist at my site. So I, my hours are based on the needs, but again, if I have meetings and committees and things like that, I will come in earlier for those. So a standard day for me is Monday through Friday, 10 to six, which it's a a great schedule. (laughs) Um, It works perfectly for me. However, I will say that um, some days I want to come in 12 to eight because our busiest time really is probably 11 to 7. Um, But there's so much to wrap up at the end of the day that I sometimes do stay till 7 or I'll come in early depending on what the need is. But um, we really don't pick up until 11 a.m. So in the mornings, I have a little bit of time to prep for the day, get some of my homework, I like to call it done Mm -hmm. for projects, uh, committee works, things like that, get the residents settled in. Um, But yes, I I am Monday through Friday, 10 to 6. I'm salary, so I'm kind of always on call with things. But I like that that emergency department's my baby. So I'm happy to take the calls from physicians, from the pharmacist, um, especially when it comes to these COVID treatments right now. Um, I'll get called for stuff like that, but that's fine. But yeah, I am very appreciative that my schedule works that way. For somebody who is the only ED pharmacist, that's kind of how it is. If you are at a site that has multiple ED pharmacists with consistent coverage, you probably will work evenings or nights. You probably will work weekends. Um, It just depends on the size of the site the number of ED pharmacists and really what the needs are. So it is very different. Um, but again, I, I definitely probably have one of the easiest schedules out there in terms of an ED pharmacist. So, so some of those core activities you mentioned, you'll probably see in any emergency department 
pharmacist job, but then it can look a little bit different based on maybe the size of the hospital, how many other emergency medicine pharmacists Mm -hmm. there are. And what services they offer. What I will say for anybody who's interested in emergency medicine pharmacy, the American Society of Health System Pharmacists, or ASHP, actually has a consensus statement. It's a nice kind of article that spells out all of really the necessary activities of an emergency department pharmacist. And really now that we are becoming a prominent service to say, hey, this is what the standard should be. This is what everybody should be doing in some way, shape or form to call yourself an ED pharmacist. Um, So that's something if you are interested to look at to kind of get a better picture across the board of what people do if they are in that role. So again, the daily activities are going to differ. The patient demographics or the patients you will see are going to differ based on the area you're in. Um, The level of drug abuse, the level of car accidents, the level of, you know, so just different things based on where you're working at. So that's that's something to consider and that will affect the hours as well. So Ashley, it sounds like you have um, different levels of kind of um, job responsibilities that you do, right? So Kristen kind of touched on you touched on it. So you have direct patient care responsibilities. You have indirect patient care responsibilities. You know, I know in the past you've kind of told us stories about where you're you're in there, you're doing chest compressions on patients as well, right? You're kind of really active and, and hands-on uh, in the emergency room. I've only had to do chest compressions once. I will say that. <laughs> no. So there's a question right. there. I've only had to do that once. Um, but, and I'm thankful for that because there are people who are way stronger and better at that than I am because my stamina is not going to last the two minutes that it's required. Yeah. So, um, so it sounds like you have to be really flexible and adaptable. You do. But what I will say is my role needs to be managing the medications in that situation. Um, specifically, why I say that is if I'm doing compressions, who's going to be managing my medications? I need to take care of what I am best at so I can free the people who are way better at those things up to do what they're good at so we can provide the best patient outcomes. And the best way to do that is what we're experts at. Right. Mm-hmm. So. I'm managing those meds. Those are my baby. And then the nurse physicians, paramedics, they're all doing their bread and butter. That doesn't mean they can't do it because anybody can pull out that code tray of medications and put them together. So all the medications that are required if somebody is in arrest or not responsive or essentially dying. And the thing is, anybody can do that. But what they can't do is potentially anticipate what med are we going to need next? What dose are we going to need? Do I need to call pharmacy to see where that medication stock? Do I need to go pull this drug from the Omnicell to make sure this patient stays sedated, things like that. So if I have to be in a situation, again, where all bets are off and I will do whatever's needed as long as it is within my scope of practice. So that's something that's very important in the emergency department because there are so many different professions. There still has to be a hard line in the sand of what you can and cannot do as a pharmacist and legally what you're allowed to do. So that's something there are a lot of medication safety, patient safety, and really legal implications of the roles and responsibilities in the ED and who's really allowed to do what. So um, that's one of the things you really have to be comfortable with saying, no, I'm not allowed to do that. No, I won't do that because it's your license to protect. Mm -hmm. Right. Very true. Good point. Um, So I guess my next question is what is... um, one of the most challenging parts of your job, uh, like, you know, I'm the type where I like to talk to people as well, but sometimes people come to the ED and they're not responsive. Right. So how do you gather information on that patient or, or what are, what are some other challenging parts of your job? So I feel like that's like a three parter. Right I, I know. <laughs> I, I just combine a whole bunch into one. I know. Okay. So the first part of that is, um, I think that this can kind of be a few different things. So there's a, 
many different challenges in working A, as a pharmacist and B, in an emergency department. Um, as a pharmacist period, I think the most challenging thing for me is being the only ED pharmacist there. Um, sometimes, and I'm thankful that I do have an ICU or an intensive care unit pharmacist that I can bounce things off of, but sometimes I kind of need to take a step back and have somebody to double check and bounce things off of and have backup for stuff because it gets a little overwhelming at times. So I would say that's the most challenging, the first challenge of my job. The second challenge is really just to make sure that because my role and many pharmacy specialty roles are, are newer, relatively newer. Getting uh, a lot of our inpatient pharmacists on the same page to really understand what we do because they don't go up on the floors. They don't really um, know exactly what the operations are. So just really to get everybody on the same page to understand why nursing needs that medications right. now, why things are the way they are, and really getting their support um, has been something that was challenging. But once you get the buy-in, everybody's extremely supportive of what is done. Um, in terms of patient care, obviously nobody wants to have the bad patient outcomes or the deaths or any of those things. Um, so the most challenging part of that, though, is because unfortunately you're always going to see those things. Right. That's that's part of life. Unfortunately, yes, there's the deaths that happen way too soon for the reasons that shouldn't be. It's the challenge is learning how to cope with that, learning how to recognize that you know I've done everything I can for this person as a pharmacist and. And I can go to bed tonight knowing that there's nothing more I could have done that would have either saved them or provided a better outcome. And you you know, that's part of it. And just really figuring out how you're going to deal with those things on a daily basis. Now, do we have somebody die in the ED every day? No, we're, we're not that type of site. You know, we get our fair share of urgent care needs because there's not an urgent care around us. Um, but that kind of makes it harder when you do have the pediatric deaths, when you do have the codes that last three hours, things like that. It's how am I going to deal with this? Am I going to take 10 minutes after and go get a coffee and go on a walk? Am I going to go call my husband? Am I going to do whatever it is that I need to do to wrap my head around what just happened and be able to move on and, and treat patients the way that it needs to get done, but still give the patient who passed away their respect and treat them as a human being, um, you know, and kind of just dealing with those things was something that everybody deals with different. And I didn't really have anybody to teach that to me and nor does really anybody. Um, so really just trying to figure that out. Lately, some of the biggest challenges um, are just trying to deal with the COVID pharmacotherapy and the interesting questions that we get on a daily basis and to remain patient and kind, empathetic and understanding to all of the information that is out there and how to navigate and address some of the um, interesting information that people will find. Mm -hmm. And have a so, whole podcast just on that. Yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you do. We could. We could. We could. Oh, I thought you said We could. But really just remaining empathetic to the fact that people rely on us for information mm -hmm. and being mindful that anything out there that patients unfortunately may read and take to heart. And so recognizing that it's not a fault of theirs, it's just a matter of them trusting what is out there and really being able to be the educators to patients and um, guide them through the uncertainty of these times and being able to truly say, you know, we don't know all the answers, but this is what we've got. This is what we can educate you on. Um, so that's one of the challenges, especially 
and being in charge of this monoclonal antibody program for COVID. So this is essentially antibodies that we can give patients who we've identified um, as being at high risk for getting worse from COVID, but they don't need to be hospitalized. Um, there's a lot more that I could tell you about these, but that's kind of, it's one treatment available to patients who we've, who've been tested positive for COVID, who have had symptoms for a short period of time, and we're trying to find a therapy for them so that they can still go home because they're well enough, but we're worried they're going to get worse. Maybe it's because they have lung disease or heart disease or something along those lines. Um, And just really taking ownership and managing that and making sure people have the right information and understanding of who can and can't get it. And it's not a fact of we are choosing who should and shouldn't get it. It's a matter of what we know about these medications. And that's just an example. So it's challenging when you have family members frustrated and maybe not entirely aware of what has gone into developing some of the the protocols and information we have. Um, I'm just dealing and navigating with some of these new questions and uncertainties that we have and making sure we're empathetic to what these what everybody's experiencing. So it that's a big challenge right now because it changes every day, yeah. right? There's something new every single day out there. So um, that's probably was a big consuming part of my day. Yeah. So yeah, definitely, and yeah. for good reason. There's, yeah, yeah, absolutely, it's necessary. It's changing rapidly. Yes. I think a good follow up to talking about challenges would be when you leave work at the end of the day. What needs to have happened for you to say, you know, wow, that was a really great day? And that's different every day, right? Um, I will say ED sounds glamorous in terms of, you know, you make the sexy intervention that you started somebody on this drip or this fancy medication to reverse a bleed. But it's luckily it's not that a lot of the time Um, for me. It's what's most important to me is that I've had a meaningful connection with somebody Mm -hmm. during that day. It doesn't have to be a patient. It doesn't have to be somebody specifically. But it's if I helped a physician to be able to get a patient home because we were able to start them on eloquist or an anticoagulant or blood thinner for a patient who otherwise would have needed to be admitted, if I saved them time dealing with that, if I helped a patient better understand how to put their home medications together or coordinate with their family to get them to their doctor's appointments, just simple things like that. That's what's most meaningful for me. It's not about did we save that person? Obviously, those are the big, important, overarching things here. We want to do those things, but I've learned that that's a big undertaking, right? And I, in order to be happy, I need to feel that I've done something good for somebody. And that's such a simple answer. But if my nurses were able to get something else done because I hung their meds for them, if they were able to go chart on their patient while I went in and talked to the patient about their chief complaint and what's going on, or I was able to get the stroke medication ready for them so they could do the monitoring of this patient, um, anything that really is just considered helpful. I want to be an embedded member of my team. And if that means taking over anything pharmacy related, pharmacotherapy related to make their lives easier, it doesn't matter if it's a patient, physician, nurse, paramedic, whatever. As long as I did something good for somebody at the end of the day, that's really what matters to me. And, you know, I tend to focus on those things more so than the big things like, oh, we had a quick intubation or helping somebody put them on a machine, putting a tube essentially down their throat so we can get them hooked up on a machine to breathe. Um, Those are the big glamorous things, but those are also the very stressful things. And I don't really 
really like to think about the stressful things at home and say, oh my gosh, I wonder what happened after this and things like that. I think that it's important for me that I'm able to reflect on those things at the end of the day. Um, but also for me to say, yes, it was a good day is to make sure there's no loose ends. <laughs> you know, I don't want to go home and say, I have to check on this patient at three in the morning or I need to call the ED in two hours and stuff like that. And in the beginning, I did a lot of that because I was afraid that if I didn't do it, that nobody would. Um, and I've had to be okay with trusting others to make sure things are taken care of. And I think that I've had a lot more good days since the beginning, probably the first six months of being an ED pharmacist, because I've just been able to say, you know, I close up what you can trust that people will provide the appropriate handoffs and just do what you can to help people and do something good for someone, you know? And I think that's such a simple thing that any pharmacist, any healthcare provider, if you just break it down to the smallest thing of just, if you can say you did that for people and that whatever you did, that was your intent is just to do something good for somebody, mm -hmm. then that'll just make your day better. And you, you bring up a really good point. You know, I think pharmacists and a lot of people in healthcare are very uh, type A and right. have to be in I, charge. I've heard so many emergency medicine pharmacists say the same exact thing. It yeah. takes a while to get used to the demands of the job and mm -hmm. wanting to check on the patients. And, yeah. 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 So you have to, like you said, kind of be okay with, you know, and not be okay with, but also trust your teammates, mm -hmm. right? So they are mm -hmm. teammates. You have to be able to trust them. So yeah. Yeah. it's a really good point. Um, so so my next question for you is how can someone best prepare for a job in, in this area, in the emergency room? So as I mentioned earlier that I was really not intending mm -hmm. on residency until my fourth year. But I will say that I, I did all of the things that I needed to do just in case, because knowing myself and knowing how quickly my mind changes in terms of the things I like and what I don't like, I knew that I needed to prepare otherwise. So regardless, if you are dead set on going into a community pharmacy, ambulatory care, infectious disease, you name it, make sure you are doing things that are broad enough to give you the experiences that not only check the boxes, but are meaningful to you. So don't do too much just to check the boxes, but do enough that you're getting the experiences that will prepare you either to go into community or into residency or to work in an inpatient pharmacy um, while still obviously focusing on the biggest part here, which is school and learning the pharmacotherapy and gaining the meaningful Im information here. Um, so that's one thing I would recommend in terms of preparing to do a career in this. I'm always an advocate for residency. Again, more education is never a bad thing. If you have the opportunity, though, to do something and you know you're capable of taking the personal accountability and responsibility for owning it, then jump in, trust the process and just be patient with it. Because if I, for example, said that I would have taken the job offer that said, you know, you have to answer us in 48 hours without knowing anything about where I'm currently at, then I would never be here. And so you just kind of have to trust the process and be patient. And that is my biggest problem is being patient with things. So just have a little faith um, and do the things that will be meaningful experiences for you throughout pharmacy school that will prepare you either way. Um, it's never going to be a bad thing to volunteer. It's never going to be a bad thing to be involved in patient outreach and mm -hmm. going to script your future, which is kind of an adherence program to make sure patients take their medications, get out in the community, talk to people, because regardless, those are the themes that are consistent throughout pharmacy, patient care, being empathetic, um, working with people, being problem solvers. I think no matter where you're at, you're going to have that within your role. So if you do all of those things, and you can speak to them and have stories to tell about 
the most meaningful things to you on your rotations and in pharmacy school, then that's really what's going to stick with people when it comes time to interviewing for any job. Right. Right. To have those experiences, to be able to talk about Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now, there may be students that were super excited with everything that you said. (laughs) And they're they're, they're taking notes. Yeah, there might be some that that, that (laughs) it makes them a little anxious to hear Mm -hmm. about the job responsibilities. But for those that are really excited by everything Mm -hmm. that you've shared, you know, just I guess I'd like to ask what students, in your opinion, would do well in this career path? And then maybe tell us the ones that maybe wouldn't like it as much, you know, so maybe Mm -hmm. help those students that are listening and and who do you think would would do well in the emergency department? People who would do well are those who love talking to people. And that sounds just so generic, but a big part of my day is just sitting in my nurse's station, talking with my physicians and nurses, learning about the patients and just being nosy and listening in. So you have to kind of be um, willing to communicate and not afraid to say, wait, no, we don't need to do this. Um, Because we, unlike many other areas of hospital, pharmacy and and healthcare in general, um, we are organized chaos in a sense of we don't have rounds that are at 9 a.m. every day. Patients come in at any time. And we have to get any minimal information that we can so that we can treat the patient broadly while making sure we're not over-treating them, but also targeting what we think is going on based on really their complaint or what somebody else told us about them when the paramedics bring them in. Um, So somebody who is able to really communicate with the team is comfortable talking with patients from all walks of life um, who can kind of keep their cool. Because for example, when you are in a code, so in a scenario where a patient may be dying, um, a family member is looking at you, they're reading your face and they're reading the room to see what way is this going to go. So you have to be able to keep your composure. Um, And so that's that's one thing I always tell my residents is you have to keep your composure because they're looking at you. And if they see that you have fear on your face, they know this isn't going to end well. And so somebody who's okay with doing those things, somebody who's okay with jumping in and feeling like, you know, it doesn't matter if it's not the most glamorous thing. And there's really nothing beneath you in the emergency department. If somebody needs help walking to the bathroom or if, you know, you got to help somebody lift a patient or help them change their briefs, give them a pillow, you know, that's all part of the job up there. It's being a team member, regardless of if you're a pharmacist or not. So somebody who's okay with that, but all the other stuff, there's not boxes to check to say you have to be this or that, or um, yes, there's obviously certifications, but anybody can get those. So it's just somebody who thrives in an environment where they are, able to not have the exact same routine every day. They're able to work with a new physician every day who rotates through. They're able to work with nurses who work different days every week, um, communicating with patients from all different walks of life and being okay with not knowing everything. Um, every single day, probably at least once a day, I have to say, you know, let me go look into that or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to double check that, you know? So I think you just have to be okay with that. Students who wouldn't do well in that environment, uh, people who need complete organization in the sense of a structured day every day. So, uh, many people thrive on, you know, I'm going to come in at seven 30. I'm going to work up my patients. I am going to round at 9am and I'm going to do my patient counseling in the afternoon. We have topic discussion with the residents and students at 3 p.m. That's not for me. Yeah, um, that was I, me. That I, was my I, life. And, and I loved again, it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I remember on internal medicine rotations, I was like, I would watch the clock. Um, <laughs> you were bored. Yeah. No, I wasn't bored. It, I, it, 
definitely absolutely has its own challenges. And for me, it was challenging because I am more engaged in an environment where I'm at and that's okay. And if somebody is more engaged, having the structure and knowing their patients the next day that they've worked up the day before and seeing those interventions in action, that's completely fair and appropriate. For me, the fit was ED and I don't think there's anything wrong. But I will say, even if you are somebody who likes that structure and who likes being able to follow up on their patients every day, that doesn't mean you shouldn't try the ED. Just like that, I I mean, you have to try internal medicine if you're in pharmacy school. (laughs) But but again, keep an open mind because for me, like I said, I had no intentions. And as soon as I did it, I could tell you week one, I loved it. And I really loved every rotation. But I, if you love every little bit of pharmacy, if you love community, if you love ambulatory care, so seeing patients kind of in a physician office setting, if you love infectious disease and cancer treatments, you're going to see all patients in an emergency department just in their most acute form. It's kind of a special population. Um, So when you think of cancer patients are a special population, when you think of um, all of these very, very small specialties, everybody can come through an emergency department. So the difference is, is these are just the most acute form where we're trying to stabilize them and we're playing detective a little bit. So you're just seeing the same patients from a different perspective. Um, They're still going to go to the internal medicine floors or maybe the ICU, but just keep that in mind um, as you go through, regardless of what type of personality are, what type of environment you think you thrive and keep an open mind because things change so much and you can always find the things that you like in an emergency department because it offers so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, so I'm the type where I like to, I like to talk to people as well, um, but I like building like long lasting relationships mm-hmm. with my patients and I feel like in the emergency room, hopefully you don't see them over and over again. You don't want to see them over and over again. Yeah, you don't want to see them over and over again. What I will say is I'm lucky enough to be at a site that we have a little bit of crossover in the sense of our pharmacy services range a lot of like transitions of care, I should say. So we have ambulatory care clinics that are led by our pharmacists. So if I have a patient who is one of our warfarin or uh, a blood thinner patient that we have to monitor for um, just simple terms, they come into our clinic and maybe that pharmacist will call me and say, hey, their levels are out of whack and they fell and hit their head last night. I'm really concerned they're going to come up to the emergency department. So I know a little bit about them. My patients go to the ICU and if I have to do my antibody follow-ups for COVID, I can call them at home. Or So there's always some crossover that I can follow up with my patients if it is medically necessary, if it's if I'm directly part of their care. Um, it's not something where I can just simply say, hmm, I wonder how so-and-so is doing and look in their chart. But if it's um, something that I am directly involved in their care, if I have to run up to the ICU to cover for a code and it's my patient who I saw in the ER yesterday, which is unfortunate. But again, like I can follow up with some of my patients. Um, A lot of my patients that I spend a lot of time with in terms of talking about their home meds and stuff like that, I'll give them my card and I do get phone calls from them. So we'll chat and check in. So there is some of that um, following up with people, but you're right. We don't, we don't get the really people who come in to pick up their medications or their weekly visits, or they want you to do a comprehensive medication review with Mm -hmm. them. We don't necessarily get that. Um, Unfortunately, the people who come see us a lot are because of issues associated with them not doing those right, things. Right. So, um, yeah, there, there's some follow-up, but not, not a whole lot. 
Got you. Got you. All right. So we talked about a lot, right? We talked about how you got to where you are uh, and we talked about kind of what your normal day looks like. So looking back on your so far very short career, right? Again, <laughs> a lot accomplished. Three, yeah, exactly. A lot accomplished. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what has been the most rewarding part of your journey so far? The most rewarding part um, is really just reflecting. I think a lot of the time I'm my own worst enemy and saying that I, I kind of like you were saying, not necessarily that I don't give myself enough credit, but I kind of beat myself up a little bit. I'm my own worst critic. Um, and I think that recently I've started to kind of look back and reflect upon what not just I've built, but what our team has built and the investment that people have made in me. And I think that that's really a big accomplishment for me. Um, and really just kind of seeing the way that this has grown, um, not just saying like, I'm the ED pharmacist, but look at this ED pharmacy service mm -hmm. that we've built. And so let's say in 10 years, I decided to leave, that would still be there and we could get another ED pharmacist. So for me, that's really the most important and coolest part of this. Um, yeah. Does that answer your question? I feel like it I sure does. No, it sure does. It sure does. I think there's been a lot of parts that have been you yeah. know, super rewarding, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. Just kind of establishing the services is huge. Mm -hmm. um, so, and again, I commend you on that. So Yeah. And to add, because I guess I forgot about the other important part of this is really just having the meaningful patient stories um, and not for selfish reasons, but just the ones that you look back and you're like, you know what, I, I feel like I made a difference for them. And there's a couple that stick with you and just having those and being able to have the opportunity for a patient to trust in you and to divulge to you the struggles that they're having and help helping them through that. Um, that's the most important part to me, which is, again, transient among all fields of pharmacy. So I think that that's a theme that we all can relate to and saying that that's that's probably the most rewarding part of being a pharmacist mm -hmm. is just those meaningful patient interactions, yeah. regardless if there's other things that are attractive about being a pharmacist in the field. And it's quite the achievement it is. And we all work really hard to get here. But I think that that's something we all never lose sight of. And that's why we all still love our jobs. So definitely. Patient is why we're here. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like we've talked about a lot but it's time to probably wrap some things up. Oh yeah, I think so. So it's a career exploration podcast. Mm -hmm. So we need to ask you, what's your best career exploration tip or advice for these prospective students that are listening or current students or even alumni that might be listening, looking for a new career path? Mm -hmm. Oh, geez, that's a loaded question. <laughs> what I will say is it kind of just goes back to what we talked about in terms of what is what is most gratifying to you? And are you going to have the opportunity to do that on a daily basis? So don't necessarily look at, obviously pay is important, title is important, but again, it's not, the grass is not always greener. I will say there's been times where I have looked for other positions to say, well, I wonder if this site would offer this to me or if it would be a better situation here or there, but um, being grateful for where you're currently at and remembering the things that you once liked about the position you were at mm -hmm. to be able to then say, is that something that this new job or this new site is going to be able to offer? for me. Um, and again, like I said, with prospective students and alumni too, I guess, is trust the process. Right. Um, be, and just sometimes it's a matter of writing it out, right? So I know this is more about exploring new careers, but it's also about kind of exploring your current career too and saying, am I getting the most out of this that I can do, but also am I giving the most out of this, you know? So um, yeah, trust the process, be patient and just 
remember that the grass may not always be greener and to remember what brought you to the job you're at in the first place and see, you know, if those things are now missing that that's when you start to look elsewhere for them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, Ashley, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. We've learned a lot. Well, right. thanks guys. Yeah. I hope uh, there's some meaningful things in there. There's a lot yeah. of meaningful things. <laughs> I'm in sure there. I'm saying I'm sure our listeners have all learned a lot about emergency medicine pharmacy as well. So we really thank you for spending uh the afternoon with us. Yes, thank you. It's been yeah. a real it's pleasure. Been a to speak nice with little you. break in my day to come out here yeah. and be back at Neomed. <laughs> Always fun to come back. Uh, well, you're welcome back anytime. Thank so, you. You'll yeah. have to let me in through the door of those. <laughs> we'll <let you> in. <laughs> yes. so. well, yeah. Excellent. All right. Thank you so much. And uh to our listeners out there, we hope to have you Uh, join us next time for our next episode. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to Northeast Ohio Medical University College of Pharmacy's Career Exploration Podcast. We're glad you were able to join us. If you like what you heard in this episode, please be sure to tune in to our next episode. Remember to check out our social media pages at NeomedCOP to submit questions for our upcoming guests. If you would like to learn more about Neomed's College of Pharmacy, we would love to talk to you. Visit www.neomed.edu pharmacy and click on pre-pharmacy to learn more or to check out the show notes for today's episode.